practice your presentation, your introduction, 50 times. Not three times, not five times. Do it 50 times. That's how you master communication. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. Same thing, 50 times. 50 times sounds like a lot, but it's actually not a lot because your introduction's a minute and your conclusion's a minute, which means you'll only practice for two hours. And after those two hours, you'll look at yourself and go, whoa, I'm really good at this public speaking thing because my introduction's so good. Now let me tackle the middle. And then the only question you have to ask yourself when you tackle the middle, no complicated structure or anything, it's just what's your key idea and what's the best way you think to defend it? That's it. This is episode number 14 of the Midlife Station podcast with communication expert Brendan Kumarasamy. Hello, this is Rupesh Nahar, the host of the Midlife Station, a podcast where we bring in experts and interesting stories of pathbreakers who have transformed themselves during their midlife so that we can get educated and work towards the betterment of our midlife. Welcome to another episode of the Midlife Station. I am super excited to interview our today's guest, Brandon Kumarasamy. Brandon is the founder of Master Talk that he started to help the world master the art of public speaking and communication. He coaches people who are purpose-driven on how to master their message and share their ideas with the world. He believes anyone can become confident in public speaking and storytelling. From students to CEOs, Brandon teaches how to master speeches, presentations and solicitations. Further, he also speaks on how to present amazing online presentation and how to craft that perfect pitch. In this episode, we talk to him about his love for public speaking, how to create a good structure for your speech, preparation required for an impactful speech delivery, how to prepare for corporate presentation, importance of storytelling and voice modulation and a lot more. Before we jump in, I would request you to show some love and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast or Spotify so that you don't miss on any of our future episodes. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page, The Midlife Station. Now, without much further ado, let us drive straight into the conversation with our guest for today, Brendan Kumaraswamy. Hi, Brendan. It's amazing to have you with us here today. Thanks a lot for coming in. Of course, Rupesh. Thanks for having me. So, Brendan, you are joining us straight from Canada today. And uh, I assume winter might be at its peak at this time of the year. So how is the atmosphere out there? It's actually not that bad. I'm I'm really lucky. It's actually not that snowing at all. So I think maybe climate change has had some weird effect on Montreal. So still enjoying the, the, the life without snow while I still have it. <laughs> yeah. So you already had a couple of snowstorms or not yet? No, actually. Nothing. Yeah. So hopefully it stays that way. Let's see. So let's get started. So can you share the story behind how you discovered the love for public speaking? Absolutely, Rupesh. So when I was in university, I used to do these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. 
So other guys my age were playing cricket or rugby or wrestling or some other sport, something I didn't really care about, to be honest. What I did instead is I applied that same competitive spirit, but in presentations. So for three years, I presented hundreds of times on communication, on presentations. That was my life. So basically what happened was after I graduated from university and I started working in the corporate world, I just asked myself a simple question, which was, how do I make a difference in the world? How do I make a big impact? That's when the idea for Master Talk came to be because I realized that a lot of the people out there were struggling with their communication skills and couldn't afford a speech coach. So I started to make videos in my mother's basement. One thing led to another and the rest is history. This story also started from the basement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's nice to know. And and you mentioned about Master Talk. So that is your YouTube channel, right? You got it. Yeah. Okay. So before we dig deeper into it, why only public speaking and not something else which you wanted to get a meaning to this life? Right? Why you wanted to only select public speaking to add meaning to people's life? Yeah, definitely. There's definitely other things I work on, but I would say the main, the main reason I focus on Master Talk primarily is because... I ask myself a very different question than what most people ask themselves for passion. Most people ask themselves this boring question that leads to nowhere, which is, what am I passionate about? And the issue with that question is very general, and it doesn't get you anywhere. Most people don't even have an answer to the question. They go, well, I don't know. It's too general. What's a passion anyways? Whereas for me, Rupesh, the question has always been, what does the world need you most to do right now and why? And when you ask yourself that type of question, then the direction, the way that you think about life changes. So for me, Master Talk, yeah, it's something I enjoy doing, but it's also something the world needs me most to do because nobody's currently creating the content I'm creating. That's why I make Master Talk. That's why I spent all my attention on that. I don't, I've always been a big believer of why do nine things when you could be a world class at one. That's a good thought. And the point which you mentioned about uh, people, uh, you know, devoting a lot of time in finding their passion, but they're finally struggling to find it and then they don't take action in anything else, which is causing the analysis paralysis as well and things like that. And what you're saying is that you find out the problem which you want to solve for the world, which the world needs you to solve. And if you are even good at it, go ahead. It need not be your actual passion, but if you're good at it and if it is solving a problem, go ahead and do it. Absolutely. You know, I'm a big advocate, Rupesh, of decisions over passions. Decisions are specific. They're actionable. They get the mo- the ball moving. Whereas passions don't get you anywhere unless you know what your passion is. If you do know what it is, then my advice is useful to you. But for the 99% of you who don't have a passion, my advice is always the same. Always constantly ask yourself what the world needs you most to do right now and why. When I was 12, the answer was not to be a YouTuber, Rupesh. I thought that was for rich people. For me, the answer was get a job in the corporate world because that's it's going to make money and it's going to feed your family, right? It wasn't about making a change in the world. It was just about taking care about the people around me. And then over time, as I obtained new corporate jobs, as I gained more skills, I realized that I was the youngest professional speech coach in the world. And that's when the idea came. But if I never made the decision to pursue a corporate job. I never made the decision to do these weird case competitions. And I never went to the right school. I never would have led to Master Talk and I wouldn't even have the expertise I do today. And that's the point I want to drive. Decisions over passions always. That's a wonderful thought, Brendan. Thanks for sharing with us. And uh, just curious, do you remember the very first time you went out in front of a large audience and you wanted to speak? 
How was the experience when you were at the like your first time when you started public speaking in front of audience? Yeah, the first time was when I was in early in my speaking uh, career for competitions. So when I used to compete, I would present maybe in front of a hundred, two hundred people, depending on what the type of competition is. Sometimes it was fifty people. And I remember my first competition was really nerve wracking because I didn't have the money for a nice suit, so I had my old suit on that was oh, oversized. Okay. I had a tie that was, let's say, a bit too long. Anyways, it wasn't uh, wasn't the best show. I kind of looked like a clown. But I think what <laughs> what drove me to the finish line, what let what got me to to be super excited, was to realize that if you have a message that's important to share, if you have a reason why you want to speak that's so important, it allows you to overcome that fear. So I didn't do so well in my first competition, but uh, over time, it's what allowed me to uh, to really make a difference in in the world and really make a change. Yeah. So I think what you're saying is focus on others instead of yourself. Because I remember my first uh, encounter with public speaking. It was during my high school days, and I remember as soon as I saw the audience, my feet began to tremble. <laughs> I couldn't utter a single word, and uh, that's what like. People say sometimes the fear of public speaking is higher than the fear of death. But if you change a perspective and uh, think that whatever we are doing, whatever we are speaking, it's for delivering value to others instead of focusing on you, then I think that things may change. Absolutely, Rupesh. Couldn't agree more, man. Like I think for me, the idea is that the message is always more important than the fear, mm-hmm. right? And if you always remember that, you know, the analogy I use here is there, let's say there's a boxing ring. One side's the fear, other side's the message. The fear is always going to be in the ring. But as long as your message gets the knockout punch, you'll always win. And I'm a great example of this. I started Master Talk when I was 22, Rubesh. Who the hell am I oh. to teach public speaking mm-hmm. communication tips to the world and coach executives of my age? That's what I want to drive here is that the confidence didn't come from, oh, I just had a smoothie this morning and now I, I'm so confident now you can speak to anybody. No, no, no. The confidence came from a belief system. I believed in a world where every single human being who needs access to free communication tools should have it. So, of course, one is people don't focus on the audience and delivering value to the audience. But apart from that, what do you think are other fears for people when it comes to public speaking? I I would say the big fear that most people have is imposter syndrome. They don't think they're qualified to give that presentation. They don't think they're that person. The advice I always give to that is, yeah, it's normal to have imposter syndrome, but you have to always realize what the definition of being an expert really means. You know, society tells us that being an expert means you have a PhD in a topic or you're well studied in a subject. And I disagree with that entirely. For me, the key to being an expert is being one chapter ahead of the next person. And being one chapter ahead of the next person just means, I don't know everything. I'm not the number one public speaking expert, but I know a bit more than most people. So I might as well coach it to those people. In the same way, you know a bit more than I do about podcasting. So you can teach a bit of podcasting to the people who know nothing about podcasting. There's always a cycle. If only the number one person in the world could teach anything, there would be no teachers in the world. Right. Mm. The key is, are you a chapter ahead of everyone else in that skill? And there's some things in your life which you are, and there's some things in your life which you aren't. In my case, public speaking ended up being one of those things. And things mm-hmm. like cooking or you know, or some other thing I'm not very good at. So I, I get other people to help me with that. Understood. So what you're suggesting is that uh, even if you are, say, one or two levels ahead of people who want to learn, then go ahead and uh, don't have that fear and go ahead and perform. Of course, right? It, 
it's it's like this whole idea of yeah, you need to be extremely good at parenting to parent. No, or else only one family would have kids. Right? It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It's it's more about saying, are you willing to learn from other people? And are you willing to constantly work on your skills that you can teach more and more people over time? But I think the key is really focusing on the people who need you the most right now and then expanding from there. Right. So one is how do you deliver a speech? So that is a delivery part of it. But even before that, it is also important that the content which you are presenting to the audience is good, it is structured well, right? So can you share a bit on how one can go ahead about preparing the content and having that good structure if I want to deliver an impactful speech? Yeah, absolutely, Rupert. So I'll give you the easiest trick in the book that, that applies for any type of speech. And if you apply just this one technique in today's conversation, I pretty much guarantee you'll be a better speaker. And the method is called the puzzle method. So public speaking is a lot like a jigsaw puzzle, Rupesh. You know those uh, toys you kind of put together? It's those thousand-piece puzzles you kind of put together yep. in a structure? So, so if I yep. asked you, Rupesh, if you were working on a jigsaw puzzle yourself with your family or the people in your house, which pieces would you start with first and why? Yeah, I'll start with the corners because I can get it free and then go forward from there. Corners would be the best bet to start. Yep, that's a great answer. And I agree with you. You know, starting with the edges always helps. But here's the thing. Why don't we do that in public speaking? We have a presentation in the classroom, at the boardroom, and at work. So what do we do? We start with the middle first. We start shoving a bunch of content in our presentation. Shove, 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 shove. We get to the presentation. We ramble throughout the whole thing. And then we get to the last slide. And it sounds something like this. Uh, yeah, so thanks. <laughs> That's probably 95% of presentations I hear. But there's an easy way to fix this. Apply puzzle. Start with the edges first. Practice your presentation, your introduction, 50 times. Not three times, not five times. Do it 50 times. That's how you master communication. Same thing with the conclusion. What's a great movie with a terrible ending? Last time I checked, terrible movie. Same thing, 50 times. 50 times sounds like a lot, Rubish, but it's actually not a lot because your introduction's a minute and your conclusion's a minute, which means mm. you'll only practice for two hours. And after those two hours, you'll look at yourself and go, whoa, I'm really good at this public speaking thing because my introduction's so good. Now let me tackle the middle. And then the only question you have to ask yourself when you tackle the middle, no complicated structure or anything, it's just what's your key idea and what's the best way you think to defend it? That's it. So my key idea in this conversation is to convince you that you can master public speaking. And if I can do that through my puzzle methods and my techniques and the, the way that I speak, then I consider it a job well done. Understood. I have a follow-up question on the piece which you're talking about, having a strong introduction and a strong conclusion. Practice it well because you want the energy levels to be maintained at all times for your presentation. And introduction is something where people will focus you because you are just getting started. And conclusion is why people will remember you. So what are the ways in which one can have impactful, say, introduction and conclusion? Can you give some tips? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple of ways you can think about it. But I would say the biggest one by far is doing the same introduction 50 times, Rupesh. Most people don't practice their introduction at that level. They just do it once, they think about it for three seconds, and that's it. I think just practicing an introduction 50 times, regardless of the techniques I show you, will go a long way. The second part of that conversation is brainstorming ideas on how you can start your presentation. Here's one example I can give you. 
I call it the everything in the world changes. So essentially how the introduction goes is the, the introduction starts like this. Everything starts with an idea from the coffee you have in the morning to the way that you wake up to the flippers that you put on during the day. Every object, any innovation changes the way you look at life. And then after that, I just say, this is the idea of the presentation. Like, uh, I don't know, you could say um, uh, you had an idea, an idea to revolutionize the way we think about public speaking, to revolutionize the way that we think about helping others in their midlife and helping them achieve success, right? And then you build on that. But that's just an example. I got many of them with the YouTube channel, but the idea is simple. Practice the same thing 50 times. I think that's just the biggest piece of advice that nobody applies. Right. And uh, of course, practicing something 50 times will make you more comfortable with it. Because if I take a clue from your example, which you were talking about when it came to idea, you're trying to create that connect with your audience uh, by making them visualize something and then slowly picking it up and coming to your topic. So that is how people are getting glued to it. So similarly, from the conclusion standpoint, to create that punch, right? What are a few good ways to end a conclusion? The reason I'm asking this is, Brendan, that you're right. Practicing 50 times will make you better when you are in front of audience. But will that leave that impression to the audience based on the content which you present in the conclusion as well? No, absolutely. So so the same the same rationale would apply for the conclusion, Drupesh. So when you think about your presentations, now that you've mastered the introduction, you want to start treating your conclusion the same way because most people when they think about their conclusions they, they they don't even give it a second thought they just go yeah i guess my presentation's done they don't end powerfully whereas when we when we think about our favorite tv shows our favorite movies we always get so upset when the the ending is terrible so we need to start applying that same logic to our presentations and the way that we can do this is what i call the vision state exercise that i got from somebody else and what vision is is Vision State allows you to help your audience imagine a world with your ideas implemented in them. If you listen to my ideas today, this is what the world will look like. So for me, with public speaking, I always end my keynotes like this. Imagine a world where every single human being had the courage to share their ideas. We would realize that our ideas matter and that we matter. Master Talk isn't just a YouTube channel. It's a movement that allows people to connect together and communicate. So the next time you enter a dinner conversation or a tough conversation with your loved one, you'll be able to speak out your truth. Thank you. And that's how I close. Right? So it's very like it's it's very inspiring. It's very vision state. It shows us a world in which our ideas are implemented and encourages our audiences to follow those ideas. So we need to have that as well. And we need to think about that in our presentations. Amazing. So I want to take a case study, a small use case out here. So imagine there's a IT professional who's at a mid-level. He is trying to give a sales presentation or a pitch of the solution to the customer stakeholders. right? Because I wanted to apply this concept of public speaking to a professional setting. right? So I assume you work for IBM as well and you may know how things work. So when a person is trying to give that kind of presentation to a stakeholder's who are influential and you want that presentation to create an impact. So I want to just understand your thoughts and uh, check on a few parameters. So if I want to give a strong presentation, what should be my preparation you know, before I start the presentation? For anyone who's presenting in the corporate world, people need to understand the following. 
you're not going to master communication in the boardroom. That is just the truth. And the reason is because you're always changing topics. You're always stressed out. You're always preparing the content a day before. You can't expect yourself to be an exceptional presenter in those situations. It's not mm-hmm. the best place to practice. What you need to understand is that the way that you master the boardroom is by first mastering communication outside of the boardroom. What does that mean? That means pick a topic that you love, that you enjoy speaking on, and present it outside and do it over and over again. So if I use you as an example, Rupesh, with your podcast, you should make a presentation on your podcast. What are you trying to achieve with it? What's the story? How did you get started with it? Who are you trying to inspire? And share that presentation with community groups, universities, churches, you know, local areas in your community and present it to small groups of people. And what happens when you do this is you A, start to change lives because you're promoting the show, but B, more importantly, you get to present the same thing over and over and over again. And that's the secret. Because if you're presenting the same topic, think about Tony Robbins. He's been doing the same seminar for 40 years. For 40 years, probably longer than you've been alive, definitely longer than I've been alive. That's the key I want to drive here is then as you get better outside of the boardroom, you pick a topic you love that you can help others with. This could be a kids coaching program that you're doing on the weekend. It doesn't really matter. And then you apply those strategies back in the boardroom. That's how you ace corporate presentations, not the other way around. Understood. So based on your experiences, right? a person needs to practice and ace it before they go into the boardroom. But say, for example, now we have a presentation. So before the presentation, what kind of exercises or what kind of things one should do to remove that nervousness and feel more energetic? Yeah, there's definitely exercises we can talk about. But I think the big thing and the big opportunity that most people are missing out on is picking a repeatable presentation outside of work that you always want to present. It could be a presentation on marketing. Could be a presentation on podcasting, doesn't matter, something that you care about. Could be a recipe that you're cooking. If you share that over and over again, it will it will amazing it will bring up your presentation skills tenfold. The other exercise I can recommend is called the random word exercise. So all you have to do is every day when you wake up for five minutes, you pick five different words. This could be floor, tree, basement, ceiling. And you make one-minute presentations out of each one of those words. If you do that for a couple of months, you'll be you'll be able to present any topic any time of the day. And then when you go into your corporate presentations where you've practiced for weeks, those presentations suddenly become a joke. So, Brendan, one of the fear or one of the concern people have, uh, which I come across a lot, is their voice, the pitch, the tone and the way they communicate that's why some of the times they don't even want to go and present it so anything which you have found which works uh, when it comes to voice modulation and uh, the voice pitch which you want to share yeah of course i'm happy to Rupert. So, so one thing i want to emphasize for voice modulation i don't recommend this for beginners i don't i don't think that's the right place to start i think the right place to start is really just applying puzzle presenting the same thing 50 times doing the random word exercise that's already a lot of homework for people. So I hope people implement that first. But I'm happy to talk about voice modulation. So modulation comes with a lot of practice. Once you get really good as a speaker, then you can start to think about how do I speak in a way that's authentic and a way that gets me more attention from people around us, right? In the way that I'm speaking right now, right? I've practiced my voice in a way that when I speak, 
it sounds like honey melting down on a pot, right? And that's obviously <laughs> practice. That's not something I was born with. But but the advice I have for people is to understand the following. I'll give the general explanation. There's a detailed one on my videos for those who are adventurous and who get through all of these exercises. But the idea is simple. The voice that you choose to show up with emphasizes the emotion that you want other people to feel about what you say. So I'll give you an example. Mm. If I'm talking about a car accident, Rubesh, and I sound like I'm the happiest person in the world, it sounds very inauthentic, mm -hmm. right? But if I talk about a car accident like this, it was, it was a sad day. Notice how the way that I speak now, the emotions that I bring out reflect that event much better than the first scenario. So that's what you want to do. And that's why it's, it's only reserved for the best speakers once you get there, which is going to be soon. Because the people who are the best in the world care so much about their audience that they'll review their speech line by line to make sure that they're conveying the right emotions as they're speaking out each sentence. But most people aren't willing to do that yet. Most people are still beginners. That's why I recommend the puzzle method, all those tricks too, to get into the top of the ring. And then after when you're at the top, then you can start focused on you can start focusing on voice modulation. And any voice exercises do you recommend? I have one. It's kind of funny. A lot of people don't take it seriously, but it's worked <laughs> out for me very well. And the exercise is to sing in languages you don't know. So one fun fact about me, Rupesh, is I speak three languages. So I speak English, French, and Tamil, but I also oh, okay. karaoke in eight different languages. So I can karaoke in Hindi, Mandarin, Korean, Japanese, and Spanish, but I don't know those languages. So just to give you a quick example here. Quand je parle français, notice how when I switch to French, there's no accent. But it's the same is true when I switch to, I don't know, uh, Japanese, and I go, Ohayo gozaimasu, genki desu ka, which is good morning, how are you? Notice I'm switching languages very seamlessly, right? That's definitely yeah. practice. It's not something I'm born with. And I don't know Japanese. But the, the point is that I'm driving is if you start to learn to sing languages you don't know, and you don't need to sing well. I don't sing well at all. It, it just helps mm -hmm. you with your pronunciation in your first and second language. And the reason why I recommend singing, because I get a lot of pushback from executives I work with, they, they always say, look, I don't want to sing. And I always reply with, well, what are you going to do then? Wake up every day and go, I like apples. I like juice. Like you're just <laughs> going to give up after three days. Like it's just not fun. And that's why I recommend the singing. That's that's good. I think there's something I've heard is different. And uh, it's, it's fun as well <laughs> to sing in different languages. And it helps you with your pitch. And uh, one of the key aspects which people talk about when you come to public speaking and when you give speeches is about how do we one use storytelling uh, because they say stories are key to unlocks anyone's heart and it makes your content memorable. So do you practice storytelling? Absolutely. And here's my recommendation right away. Storytelling is great. It unlocks the heart of every people's potential. And it's also very vague. What does storytelling even mean, Rupert? Does it mean I need to sit down and read you a book? Does it mean I, we're watching Disney movies together? What does this actually mean? And that, my friend, is the problem with storytelling. That's why for me, storytelling has always been, once again, something I only talk about with advanced speakers. Because if you don't have the right foundational skills as a speaker, how are you supposed to convey a great story in a way that people go, wow, this person is amazing? So I'll give you an example. Uh, yeah, Rupert, so once upon a time this happened. Notice how in my communication skills, if my foundation isn't good, 
you won't actually feel the story will fall flat. That's why my recommendation is always the same. Focus on the foundational aspects of communication first and master that. And then once you've mastered that, it's still going to take you a bit of time, then move on to storytelling. Then move on to the next level, which is how do you tell stories that are impactful, that are life-changing, especially when you have the first one done. And uh, generally, uh, it's good to have personal stories. Yeah, once again, the, w- the way I think about it is there's no like winning story. There's no like one story that's better than the others. It always goes mm-hmm. back to the same question. What is your key idea and what is the best way of defending that key idea? So for me, when you think about me, if I use myself as an example, my key idea is I, I believe in a world that anybody can master communication and public speaking, right? Mm-hmm. But what ideas do I use to prove that? Well, one is simple techniques. If I explain public speaking in a way a five-year-old understands it, if you're somebody who's an executive right now listening or somebody in the corporate world, you'll say, well, if Brandon could do it, why can't I? That's one part of the equation. The other part is talking about my own story. You know, I sucked at communication my whole life. <laughs> right? When I was five years old, because I grew up in Montreal, I needed to go to French school. Right? But the problem is I didn't know French back then. So I had to present in a language I didn't even know, Rupesh, for my whole life. And I was, I was deathly afraid of public speaking, especially in French. So if I can master public speaking, why can't anyone else? So that's always a personal story I like to share. So notice I'm using different tools. You don't need to be limited to one thing. Just always ask yourself, what conveys my ideas in the best way? And you need to always test that. Thanks for those profound tips. I think uh, it was wonderful, Brendan. So before we move to the last segment of our show, I wanted to understand uh, you have been talking about your YouTube channel, why you have built this YouTube channel and what is it that you showcase in this YouTube channel? So Master Talk is my is is my YouTube channel where I teach people how to speak and communicate their ideas to the world. So any question you have about public speaking, any topic you want covered is probably covered on the channel. You know, things like how to build relationships really quickly. How do you present to an audience you've never met? Different topics of that sort is really what I spend a lot of time thinking about on the YouTube channel. So I encourage you all to, to check it out. All you have to do is type Master Talk in one word and you'll find it right there. Sure. And I will also put that in the show notes section. So that brings us to the last segment of the show, which I called as a quick fire segment. So the first question is, uh, what is that daily ritual or routine that you follow that keeps you ahead of the game? Right. I'll, I'll share the tip that nobody else shares. The tip is not yoga. It's not meditation. It's not eating the right things. It's asking <laughs> yourself one hard question about life every single day. What are you pretending not to know? If you were God, what would you do first and why? If you die tomorrow, what would your funeral speech say about you? If you had all the money in the world, how would you spend your time? And if you only had three lessons to share with the next generation, what would those lessons be? The key to life, the quality of your life, as Tony Robbins says so well, is solely determined by the quality of the questions that you dare to ask yourself. So the only habit I have to recommend is ask yourself a hard one every day. The dare is a key word here, right? Because we may ask the question to ourselves, but... Most of us don't dare to ask tough questions. There you go. And uh, what are the two books you would like to recommend to people when it comes to public speaking and why? I'll recommend one because people don't like to, people don't buy two books when they listen to a show. They usually <laughs> get one. So, so the book I recommend is Thirst by Scott Harrison. 
Uh, it's a very unconventional read. Scott's the CEO of Charity Water. I think he's done a fabulous job with the brand, but also how he leveraged public speaking communication to raise hundreds of millions of dollars for his nonprofit, Charity Water, that helps people gain access to clean water. And I think Scott is the gold standard on how to use communication to make a difference in the world. So I highly recommend people check out Thirst by Scott Harrison. And uh, what is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Best piece of advice? It's actually an advice I, I came up with. And the advice is simple. Be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, that's totally fine. But if you want to make a difference in the world, if you want to do something important with your life, the only way to do that, in my opinion, is to practice the art of insanity. Don't you find it odd, Rupesh? I started a YouTube channel on public speaking communication tips. The age of 22, started coaching C-level executives, CEOs and, and the like at 23. But I still live in my mother's basement. I karaoke in eight different languages. I dance alone in my basement an hour a day. And I love Justin Bieber. How does any of this make any sense at all? And that, my friend, is the point. When every decision in your life makes sense to the only person that matters, which is you, you'll probably be very successful. So be insane or be the same. Thanks a lot, Brendan, for answering all the questions. If someone wants to reach out to you, how can they do it? MasterTalk's the, definitely the easiest way to pitch. So all you have to do is go on YouTube, type MasterTalk in one word, and you'll find me right there. So thanks a lot, Brendan. That brings us to the end of our show. Thank you all for tuning in today. To summarize, the three key takeaways from the show were 1. When preparing for a speech, align it with a jigsaw puzzle. Like in puzzle, you start with the corners. When it comes to speech preparation, start with the introduction and the conclusion. Practice them at least 50 to 100 times. And this single activity will make you confident than ever before when you go ahead and deliver your speech. 2. A good way to structure your speech is to open up with an idea. Define this idea in the body and in the conclusion of the speech, share the audience how the world would be different if this idea gets implemented. 3. Ask yourself one hard question every day. You can do it by standing in front of the mirror. Make this mirror as your accountability mirror where you become vulnerable and come up with the answers to these hard questions. I hope you enjoyed listening to the show today. If you like what you heard, then please do rate and leave a nice review for the show on Apple Podcast or CastBox. Also, kindly do follow our Instagram handle, The Midlife Station, to catch up on the latest glimpse of our show. You can access the show notes for the show by visiting themidlifestation.com slash TMS14. That's all I have for you today. Thanks a lot for tuning in. I will see you back in the next fortnight with another esteemed guest. Until then, let us continue to take those small actions towards the betterment of midlife.